Welcome to The Reserve, a news and thoughts podcast from the Central Verse. I'm your host, Caleb Nygaard, and today is episode 22. You know, it's been a big uh, week in the Central Verse. The Fed finally issued their long-anticipated uh, CBDC report last Thursday. Uh, the nominations are of, uh, of Biden's uh, pick to fill the three empty slots on the Board of Governors, uh, are, are uh, beginning to work their way into Congress, and the FOMC met uh, for the first time of the year. So to chat about uh, all of this, what happened and uh, what didn't happen or what is missing from what happened, I'm excited to welcome uh, Stephen Kelly back on the show. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks, Caleb. So this, uh, I just want to start just for a few minutes. We've talked about this on past shows, um, and we're going to talk about it more in future shows. But there was a little bit of uh, action in the uh, nomination land. Uh, so Cook, Jefferson, and, uh, and, and Raskin are all beginning to make their way into uh, the Senate and the kind of the, the grounds upon which the nomination battle is going to take place is starting to uh, come out into the open. And uh, my two uh, quick comments of action that has happened in the last, uh, the last little bit, and both basically came from letters from, from Senator Toomey, um, ranking member there on the committee that's going to be hearing those nominations. Uh, the first one was actually about uh, the geography. So anybody that's uh, followed me on, on Twitter has seen me talk a lot about uh, the, the geographic uh, requirement, legal requirement uh, for these nominations. Um, and basically where we stand right now is the, is the White House has uh, introduced these three nominees as coming from a, a state. Uh, but that's not the official designation of where they will be from, which fulfills the, the legal requirement. Uh, that, uh, though, has been announced, and Toomey has complaints about where these nominees are claiming to be from. It's nothing new. Uh, I have filed a Freedom of Information uh, Act request with the Board of Governors to get uh, the paperwork on, uh, on all of the designations going back. Um, I have done this in an unofficial way using the Fed History website and just their biographies, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting the, the formal stuff. So there's the action on the geography. And then uh, Toomey just, uh, I think, minutes before we started recording today, uh, sent a letter uh, of concern about uh, some paperwork that they that they filed about their their past work experience. And so you can see this is starting to starting to heat up. So uh, this is uh, I expect these nomina nominations to be uh, much more fiery than the uh, than the Powell and and Brainerd nominations from, from the past. And that nomination, those nominations, by the way, the the hearings have been set, I believe, for February third. So it sounds like Toomey's following up on uh, Kennedy's uh, questions about if they have gaps in their resumes or not. What's their old <laughs> their old employment work? I wonder what's going on there. Yeah, did um, it, ever came up from that? Did you ever hear anybody? No, anybody I ever I, respond to what where on earth that question came from? No, no, I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess when you're when you have that platform, you just ask embarrassing questions. I, I don't know. <laughs> it wouldn't be. The um, yeah, right. Uh, so I, I want to ask something else or bring up something else because because sure. you obviously talked about this geography thing quite a bit two podcasts ago. Yep. Um, and, and about how Philip Jefferson and Sarah Bloom Raskin 
uh, at least in a literal sense, are coming from the same state. Like they're going to get on the same plane probably and, and fly to DC, right? No. Um, but Toomey's Toomey's letter, and 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 I don't think we noted this at the time, also mentioned Jay Powell and and Brainerd as being from that district as well. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, and this is where the the this this strange. Um, way that just Senate nominations work in general is they they're all introduced as coming from a state. So if it was if it was me right now it would be and I was being nominated for something it'd be Caleb uh, Nygaard of Connecticut uh, is how I would be introduced to the Senate. Um, yeah and and uh, you know this that is a, a definition of as it's uh, historically that's just been where they currently live is, is how, how that has been used um uh but in the nomination or in the in like the legal fulfilling the legal requirement of what district they're supposed to represent uh that of state isn't the uh isn't the place uh where that's determined uh, and it's been wild i mean I, I went back i got all uh 98 governors there have been some repeats i think the 96 individuals uh, and tying what was their connection to this district they were claiming uh, to formally represent and uh it's it's barely half that are from the place where they currently live. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see, there's, there's gonna, there's gonna be more coming from that, not just from the nominations, but like I said, I'm, I'm still, still looking into it. Uh, and, and I know we're waiting for, uh, the next big step will probably be Biden coming out strong or the administration coming out with stronger, um, claims about why it's okay that Jefferson is going to represent New York because he worked there for 20 years or why Cook is going to represent Atlanta, even though she's been at Michigan teaching for quite a while, but because that's where she was born and grew up. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so we're going to, we're going to see, we're going to see that uh, coming down, down the pipe as well. Toomey also mentioned, which I don't think we talked about as well, um, uh, like education and work experience uh, backgrounds as well. So, so all of that's up for, up for debate. Uh, uh, and I'll, I'll throw some links in the show notes of some work I've done on the education and, and work experience yeah. as well for the for the FOMC. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a heated heated convo. I, I'm afraid, but but uh, for us on the side, it'll be it'll be good. Good to watch. Yeah, and at least they'll all be the three of them will be together, correct? In their in their confirmation hearing. Yeah, I think that's right. I know, I think that's right. Um, Although so I think it's all, I, I, I know yeah. it's all on the same day. Yeah. Uh, and I would presume that they would be in front of the same, like side by side and not one after the other. Yeah. Although I'm not, not hundred percent sure on that. Somebody, somebody listening knows the answer to this and will, and will hopefully respond to the tweet about it. Yeah. Um, okay. So the, the FOMC let's, let's jump into that. That was, this was a, a, a big meeting. Uh, you know, there has been a lot of momentum uh, coming into this. Uh, although I think the the response and and the actions were were mostly uh, were mostly predictable. Uh, Powell came in pretty strong uh, with uh, you know implying that there would be rate increases in in March. Um, the, the balance sheet is uh, going to stop growing with the end of quantitative easing here in the next month or two. Um, and then they even published a paper kind of outlining some very basic principles of how they'd let it begin to 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 run off mm -hmm. um i there were a couple of things that that popped out to me and steven I'll, I'll let you jump in um with anything that that, you, that jumped out to you or any questions that you had about it there 
and I'm going to stick to mostly the governance and uh, issues because I, I think the, the rest about whether the Fed is going to increase rates seven times this year, as I think, <laughs> as I think one of the bank reports said this morning, or uh, if they'll just do three or four is to be determined. And I don't know if I have much to add there. Uh, but there were a couple of comments that I, that I did want to pull out. The first one was that uh, Powell was asked if, if every meeting was a live meeting. And that is a question that Janet Yellen got all the time in the last uh, cycle. Um, and sometimes she would actually even use that phrase or as a response to questions, even when she wasn't asked about it directly, that, that the Fed could raise interest rates at any, at any of the meetings. Um, but nobody really believed, uh, uh, believe, believed her on that one. I think things are different now. And I actually think we should put more emphasis on that possibility with Powell. And based on just a simple structural change of adding that he made early on of adding a press conference to every meeting, um, I think the Fed, even though they wouldn't admit it, I think they were, would be remiss to, uh, would have been remiss to raise interest rates off cycle of a press conference. Uh, but now that those happen every every time, I don't think there's that same need to for the Fed to do it with the with the economic projections or anything like that. So you don't think we're going to get a, uh, a Greenspan between meeting hike is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. No more yeah. than eight? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I would be surprised. Um, I did just yesterday go back and look. I was looking at, at the 2020 actions and was uh, came across a, a, a little thing about the emergency. Yeah, the in-between meetings. And I think there was only one. Yeah, I think that was that just that one emergency rate increase in the last at least 30, 30 40 years. So I'd be surprised if that happened, but, uh, but you never know. Um, you know, I thought I thought it was important also as this framework is, you know, they, they released this framework about average inflation targeting, um, but there's no mathematical formula for it. And so especially at the beginning, there were tons of questions trying to get Powell to uh, hint at what the formula was. And it had, I think it had been a couple a couple meetings since we'd gotten anything like that. But uh, I think the guy from Bloomberg can't remember who asked the question um, about whether the Fed would now target to hit below 2% inflation for a little while. Had we gone so far above that the Fed would need to go below, run it below 2% to, to get it back. And, and Powell's uh, response was quite uh, uh, vehemently uh, against that, that, that no, there was no plan to run it uh, below 2%. So target is still, you know, to, to eventually get it back to two. Um, there, there were there were just a couple of other things that I, that I'll that I'll mention. Although there were three empty, and then this is about vacancies on the FOMC and like who was voting and stuff. So those three nominees are not there, and I don't think the vote would have been any different. Um, it's, uh, it's been pretty clear the direction at least that the Fed needs to go, and so I don't think the vote would have been any different. But but we do want to look out very closely to the the future speeches. Um, and be paying attention to the nomination hearings and stuff to, to hear how they're going to be talking about it. I don't suspect, right, I, I suspect that they're going to, they're going to vote together. Uh, very, there's a huge tradition of that at the board, but they're going to have pretty big influences and pretty big platforms um, speaking. So we want to watch out for that. I was blown away that the Boston Fed didn't get a, a president in time. I gave uh, Philadelphia um, uh, President uh, Harker uh, a chance to vote at the meeting. 
the Boston, the, the strange thing is that the Boston Fed, not only did they have since, I guess, September, since uh, he, he was, since Rosengren resigned, but Rosengren already was planning on resigning. They knew this was coming. Uh, Dallas did not know it was coming. They also don't have a vote, so I'm less surprised there, but I am surprised that uh, they, they didn't, didn't get it. And I've heard two rumors about it. Rumor number one is they didn't get it in time because they had to switch it up because this ethics scandal kind of clouded the view of some potential runner-ups that they are leading candidates that they had in mind. The second rumor I've heard, and these are both rumors that I have absolutely no no knowledge on, but the second rumor is that uh, the board is getting, uh, is getting the board of governors is, is putting a little bit more of a heavy hand uh, in these processes than uh, than they than they have in the past. They can do that. They have they you know they get the final the board of governors gets the final upvote downvote on whether a, a board of directors of a reserve bank can appoint their president. Uh, but uh, reporting has shown that most of the time they they're pretty good with with who they get. Um, in fact, President Williams in uh, getting appointed at New York is I think one of the few that I've heard where, where the, the board had some strong opinions. So I think the, uh, the Dallas board of directors just is not over Kaplan yet. I don't know if they've emotionally moved on. They kept his office the same. I think they're going in there just to remember what it was like when he was still there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, that letter that they wrote, that, pub, that public letter really could have been some kind of, you know, country song put to, yeah, it's put a Taylor to music song. of just uh, of a fallen uh, ballad cowboy. So, yeah, I think so. I, I, I wanted to ask about this Boston vote. Uh, I'll take it as far as I can go, and then you pick it up from me. So, yep. 19 members on the FOMC, 12 vote in uh, up to 12. In theory, you have a full board, you have seven. We don't have a full board, but there's seven board members. You get the permanent vote from the New York Fed, and then you have 11 other regional feds on a rotating basis. And four of them, four of them vote. Yep. How do you rotate eleven regional feds in four groups? Because because this, this is why it went yep. to Philly, is this pod thing. So explain that to me. How you rotate the eleven regional feds in four groups? Yep, that's right. Yep. So the and this happened by the way. So just a, a quick history. So this happened. Um, the FOMC was formed in the early '30s. <clears throat> and it was a kind of a slow evolution of the Fed deciding, hey, we shouldn't really be 12 separate central banks. We should be making one monetary policy, especially should be made kind of as one group altogether. So we're all in agreement. And when the FOMC was finalized and then brought in the governors into the group, it was originally just <clears throat> the, uh, the seven governors and five reserve banks um, equally uh, rotating then in, um, actually, no, it's, it's not equally rotating because that doesn't, that doesn't divide. But uh, they, these pods were set in 1935 in the mm. act. And then in 1942, it wasn't until 1942, so it was seven years later um, that the New York Fed got the permanent, got the permanent vote. And so now, yeah, so now we're left with the, uh, with the 11 uh, rotating into four different groups. And the, uh, yeah, and it's just the, the Cleveland and Chicago Fed uh, got lucky, basically. Oh, got- so it's just them. That, so they get to go back and forth and the rest are groups of three. Yeah, that's exactly right. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. they have a little bit more influence. Yep. Cleveland and Chicago. 
Yeah. And that's, that's just because what New York used to be in their pod and felt, or I guess, cause that yeah, still so, wouldn't, I, yeah. So all, yes, exactly. So I, so I, I believe there used to be two and <laughs> doing math on the fly in, in a podcast isn't, well, isn't the, the math easy. doesn't work. You could do the it. Math. You could, you could have a calculator. It doesn't make sense. It's still yep. five or four into, yeah. Into either 11 or 12. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. And so I'm trying to remember if you got, if, if the between 35 and 42, if there were two groups of two, two groups of two. Okay. Okay. So some, there was some kind of mess. So, so there was some mess and then, and then it got, and then it got reshuffled. And that, I wonder, and is there any, was there any, like, was anybody yeah. indignant over that? I mean, that seems like uh-huh. a, you know, Pretty house versus deal. Senate type uh-huh. thing. Like somebody would have been annoyed. Yeah. 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 Especially given, you know, and I, I, I need to, I need to Stephen is my is my golden. Um, uh, he's the the goose that lays the golden eggs of <laughs> of, of Caleb's uh, Twitter Twitter threads. So this this needs to be a future one. Um, but yeah, in the time, you know, it's surprising that it was Cleveland and not and not St. Louis as far as banking power. And St. Louis, surprisingly yeah. to maybe to to us in, in the modern day, was a big hub, a really big hub, yep. uh, and and kind of. When the reserve banks were getting chosen, the law said that there could be between eight and 12, and it set up this committee that would decide uh, how many there would be between eight and 12 and which cities would get them. Um, and, and St. Louis wasn't a, really a question whether or not they were. They were definitely one mm-hmm. of the leading um, reserve cities is what they call them even before the Fed. Um, and so, yeah, it's surprising to me that, that, that St. Louis didn't get it. There is some, some geography to it there yeah is i mean missouri already has two right i mean with kansas city yeah right and and, and even the pods there's some there's some some sure. uh, geography in the pods you've got kansas city san francisco and minneapolis in one pod st louis atlanta and dallas in another pod and then you've got boston richmond and philly in another is the other sure. third, and then cleveland and chicago and so it- and I, I, sorry, I have another question. I know we're going to, I know we already did our governance episode. We're yeah, going to move on from this, but uh, like you said, I got too many questions. Um, so I'm curious how it works if, so I know for the New York Fed, because they have a permanent vote, if the New York Fed chief is out, the president of the New York Fed gets ousted, the first vice president goes in their place. Yep. Um, and I know this can be done uh, sort of by discretion as well. And the only reason I know this is because of, in 2008, there's this famous FOMC meeting takes place on September 16th, 2008, which where inexplicably, this is the day after Lehman failed, inexplicably, the Fed does not cut rates. I mean, it's yeah. a different world we lived in, right? I mean, yeah. They, yeah. the Fed did the same thing they did this week when inflation was at 7%. They did that the day after Lehman failed. Anyways, yep. Tim Geithner stays in New York to work on AIG and sends his deputy, Chris Cumming. So... Can can the what happens if the other reserve bank presidents are just busy? I mean, so so let's say there was a Boston Fed president. Yeah, something comes up personal or professional and they can't go. Do they get do they get to then send their person or does Philly get to go? Does Philly get the vote? Yeah. So so the vote just because they're busy. Yeah. Right. Yep. So the alternates are so the the voters and the alternates are picked every year. Uh, and they're picked at the same time. So as far as the moment of this, de- there is a moment of decision where the, the boards of directors of the pods basically each get 
a vote. Although I'm told, and I had a little argument, not argument, but I had a little a back and forth uh, where Roberto Perley, um, who's who we've had on the podcast on, on Twitter was re- reminded me how this worked. And basically the boards of directors of these, uh, each of the pods gets together and votes on who's going to be the voter and who's going to be the alternate voter. Um, and they've always chosen the, it's just always been a cycle where sure. the alternate voter is, um, is one of the other presidents of the reserve banks. So, so if the Boston, if the Boston Fed has a president, but they're lost at sea for the day, yep. the first vice president doesn't go, Philly gets to go That's to right. the FMC meeting. Philly would, Phil, Boston would almost certainly send somebody, but Philly would get to vote. Sure. Uh, would get to, would get to vote on that unless, okay. and like so that decision, yeah. And that decision is, is, is made early on. I, in my, in my governance fed fan fiction would write that the Boston board of directors trying to buy more time to pick their president, the board of directors would try and convince the, the, the Richmond fed to team up and do some kind of backdoor trade to give <laughs> the Boston first vice president, the vote at, sure. the, at the meeting that, that, that did not happen. Um, so yeah, so so there's so so that's kind of where how how that works as uh, members. And in fact, actually, so so the final point and 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 why my fan fiction really won't happen is the board. It's so ingrained that the board of governors on their website, where they list the the who's voting, has it has it listed who's going to be the voter and who's going to be the alternate voter uh, for the next three years, <laughs> even though the boards of directors choose. Sure officially every year so so is, is boston going to have somebody in six weeks i mean that seems quick if there's not even been a name yet yeah i mean there's there haven't yeah they don't have and well so i mean they don't have they just announce it right so so there's no we could not know who it is and then you know monday morning they just announce who the who it's going to be so there's you don't no think vetting, there'd be like a leak there's no yeah there's no public vetting there's All no right. The Boston Board of Directors announces their pick, and then we have to wait to hear if the Board of Governors is going to approve it or not. All of it happens in the public. It all happens at the same time. Okay. So, so uh, and I, I just don't know where they're that's, at in the process. That's interesting I, that we'll hear about it at the same time as the board. I would have thought the board would have, you know, wanted to, to leak it to the press and get a, re, you know, get a general reaction before it's official. Yeah. Um, and, so that's and interesting. Have, I have heard I have heard some names being thrown out there, but but not even in I don't I don't even think in a it's all just been chatter, not even in in actual like journalist articles. Um, sure, there are there are people are thinking and have some ideas of, of who it might be, uh, but I, I it's not like the New York Fed where there was journalists were talking in public um about the the shortlist and there were you know leaks about leading candidates and things like that. Mm-hmm. There haven't been any of that for either Boston or Dallas. And um, just because of this hierarchy, I, 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 although it could be proven wrong, I suspect that there won't be, that we'll just find okay. out uh, when, when they publish. Yeah, so it's, uh, it'll be something that we'll, we'll be watching. I, if I was a gambling man, I would have bet that Boston would have had it by now. And if, uh, uh, if I am a person that doesn't learn from my, say, my mistakes, <laughs> I would gamble again today that they will have somebody by, the next meeting, especially because it's the interest rate increase meeting. I don't know. 
well, but I was proven wrong before I could be proven wrong again. Um, I think that I'll only make one other quick comment about the meeting, and that is that uh, that uh, Chair Powell coming out and saying that he's not participating in the in the Inspector General report, I think was was uh, was a cool comment. Uh, mm -hmm. and so we'll be waiting for that as well. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on the FOMC, or should we dump into uh, um, crypto land? If we must, let's do it. Let's do for. it. Okay, so so this this big this big boring report came out, but we were so <laughs> we were so excited for it. So it's, tell tell us what happened. Yeah, so it's you know it's been delayed and delayed for months, uh, which which gave me a glimmer of hope that they were trying to say something meaningful and waiting until you know there was a lot of talk about it's just they're waiting for personnel to change. I mean there there isn't even a vice chair for supervision, right? So I mean this is kind of a this is kind of a, one of those issues. And, and so I was a little hopeful that, that it was going to say something by the time it came out. We had all the delays. You know, I don't know if I, yeah. I don't know why. I, mean, I don't know if the, if the government as a whole was getting their ducks in a row or what. Yep. But it honestly said nothing um, or said very little. Rather, mm -hmm. uh, it, it kind of read to me like a like a junior investment bankers pitch deck. Like it was just this very like soft pros and cons list yeah. and it's it's hard to even it's hard to even reflect on it here because there's no oh we could do it this way or we could do it that way there's no like even classic two-handed economist thing wow. this is like this is like the 12-handed you know report writer because it, it it's like it's sort of like a like a 10-dimensional thing like okay we could do it X or Y, and we could also do A or B, which means we could do Y, B, Y, A, X, yeah. you know, so, and, and this is across 10 dimensions. So there, there really wasn't much here. It was kind of a copy paste of Wikipedia of what a CBDC is, um, very generic uh, on the short side of, of Fed reports, but it kind of was what it was. Um, one notable thing was that they were explicit about not having the legal authority to open accounts for individuals. Yeah. So one one ask or one sort of subset of the pro CBDC camp is let's let the Fed open up accounts directly for individuals. Um, and there there has been some great work on this, and and you know the analogies to postal banking are sort of kind of accurate, but that can be kind of a, a rough starting point. Yeah. But in the past. Uh, Powell has said, Powell's gotten questions on CBDCs and kind of said, uh, we would like to not, we would like direction from Congress and the White House. We would like to not have to be create, like use the Fed's authority creatively. Um, and now they said it very explicitly, at least uh, with respect to direct accounts that they, they, they would not, they, they don't feel they have the legal authority and the report said very explicitly, we're not going to do anything without the direction of Congress or the White House. Um, so so that that was somewhat notable. Uh, the other piece of this is that we're, we're still waiting on a report out of the Boston Fed, um, which incidentally also lacks some leadership, is also waiting on personnel. Uh, on the more technological side of this, uh, and you know they're doing some work with MIT over there. So there's sort of this dichotomy that's that's been set up where this was the policy report and the MI and the Boston Fed report is going to be the tech report. 
but that actually left this report, in my opinion, a little disappointing uh, because you almost can't talk about the policy without the tech. So for instance, there's no, there's no mention of blockchain at all in this report. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't, I mean, a CBDC doesn't have to be run on a blockchain. A lot of times reports will talk about China's as if it's on a blockchain, as if it's cryptography, it's not. Um, there, there, is no, there is no blockchain in, in China's much advertised uh, oh, wow. e-currency. Um, so, but that, it didn't strike me as an intentional choice of, oh, we're not going to do it on a blockchain if we do it. Um, there was just no mention of it. Yeah. And certain things, certain things change, you know, if, if the Fed wants to use a blockchain or many blockchains, there are, there are other, other, you know, financial stability concerns that happen. I mean, there are things you can do on a blockchain. You can do supply chain, you know, you can have the movement of, of real physical goods. Um, I think it was Tracy Alloway this week who kind of had a tweet making fun of this because her, her olive oil was, was on the blockchain. It was, it was an NFT and and you could you could look up the nft on the blockchain and trace uh the olive oil back to its origin yeah and this is of course kind of a joke right i mean anybody somebody could halfway you know halfway across the ocean somebody could rip the label off and put it on a fake bottle of olive oil like you know not you don't know but as far as actually tracking and paying for 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 supply chain goods you could have physical objects go one way on a blockchain and the payments go the other direction, you know, there'd be a huge yeah. improvement. But anyways, the, you know, there's open questions then. Is, is a CBDC something that's involved in that? Um, you know, things, things of that nature. I, we don't need to get too into that, but, but that's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, now you have a new, you have a new set of payments occurring. You know, you have, you have uh, a, new, uh, a new scope for a central bank digital currency. And so we kind of lost that by, by avoiding avoiding the tech. Um, and, and on a related note, there was no mention of bank based stable coins. Oh, okay. uh, so there yeah. was there was discussion of the risks of private stable coins, you know, Tether, circle, some of the some of these ones that that have headlines and are, and are risky in various ways and are always on the hill. Um, these more crypto, you know, crypto world type uh, stable coins, and there was no discussion of bank based stable coins at all. Uh, which is kind of maybe the route this goes because there's a lot of talk about having this intermediated by banks. JP Morgan has its own has its own stable coin that it uses internally. They're doing some cool stuff. There's some other bank-based stable coins. Goldman is thinking about this. Yeah, HSBC and Wells Fargo have done stuff with this, and I mean, there's just no discussion of it. And that's kind of the that's kind of the market knowledge the Fed needs to be picking up on and responding to. And, and and reacting to and, and there was just none of that. So there. So the next step is they've got a couple of months of just free for all open comment, right? Is there any indication yep. of what? Uh, and then I presumably, hopefully, Boston's tech piece will come out in sometime around the same time, and they'll they're going to get all this feedback. And then I guess mm -hmm. what do what do what do you look for? after that does then the fed just say we can do something tiny but uh congress hears all these comments you know go ahead and tell us what you want to do i don't know right right it it, it just it just shows too there's there's a huge runway for this a, yeah. a very lengthy runway and i i don't know what the comment situation will be like i mean there's some things that the fed puts out and they're like well we got one comment you know <laughs> and then 
they, they put out the main street lending facility and get 2,500 comments, yep. half of which are just people like, Hey, how do I get this money? Like, you know, that's like, uh, yeah, or, public. you know, it's like, it's like total public. nonsense. Half of them are, are like inscrutable. Right. Um, so, so, and you know, when you do a crypto related thing, that yeah. risk is there. You could get a thousand bots replying to this if the fed has to, has to sift through. So I don't, I don't know what that's, what will come of that. Yeah. But the other piece here is there's Fed now, this real-time payment yeah. system of the Fed supposedly coming out uh, in the near-ish future, which has also been, you know, delayed, delayed countless times. Um, and, and there's a risk that this sort of leapfrogs that and delays the process even further. Like I said, there's more things you can do, or there's more things that there's a bigger aim for a CBDC than just FedNow. FedNow is real-time payments. Uh, a CBDC would presumably include real-time payments, uh, but there may be other things like security settlement yeah. uh, in real time. And, and, and like I said, automatic you know, payment for securities on the same semi-public blockchain yeah. or supply chain things. And so all of a sudden, even this FedNow that people were excited for maybe gets leapfrogged and the Fed is taking longer. Uh, so I, I, don't know, I don't know what will happen. Yeah. Um, and the, and, and it, it was, the, I guess the other thing that there was a lot of discussion in this report about this being intermediated. So by, by private banks, um, where, you know, the fed said we can't have accounts. So this would probably be intermediated where you have an account at JP Morgan, but it's technically yeah. a liability of the fed. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's a question of, of kind of how this shapes up. Does it disintermediate the banks? So, you know, if, is it just a deposit in the bank that then deposits the Fed and the Fed has to grow its balance sheet, which, you know, make yeah. complicate monetary policy. Yeah. Um, the Fed can't buy the infinite universe of assets, or at least, you know, can't buy a, a, what a bank can buy. A bank can make mortgage loans. You know, the Fed can't do that. Yeah. Um, so it, it that, that complicates things. So then there's a question of, well, is there a hybrid approach where I, I bring my deposit to JP Morgan, it's a liability of the central bank, but JP Morgan is, is running the asset portfolio for itself. And what you've done then is basically obviated deposit insurance, which isn't the worst thing. I mean, we, right, we, right. we kind of have this arbitrary arbitrary, you know, we have $250,000 of, of deposit insurance. We never talk about it. Yep. Uh, we should talk about it because it, it's sort of absurd that, that we, we rarely do. Yeah. Um, and, and Caleb, you, you know, you and I know from our day job, or at least our ostensible <laughs> day job, we're recording this at 11, but, yeah. uh, you know, fighting crises at, at, at the Yale Program on Financial Stability, the last thing you ever want to do in a crisis is haircut depositors, yep. haircut, senior bank debt holders. And, and we know it's not going to happen, right? We've seen the Fed react. We've seen the government as a whole react. So we sort of have this fiction in our current system of, well, deposits are only guaranteed up to $250,000. Everything, everything else, you know, you're, you're, it's, On your own. it's it, yeah, right. It's buyer beware, but that's of course absurd, right? I mean, it's just, it's just never, it's never going to happen. And, and the whole you know, or at least a big part of the thrust of Dodd-Frank was let's put enough cap, let's stuff enough capital into these banks that, that we don't have to worry about, you know, their senior debt actually becoming 
becoming you know wobbly and so let you know there's an argument to be made of let's just go all the way let's just acknowledge that deposits are the live like are always going to be protected by the government mm -hmm. and you you kind of solve some other issues uh in that process you know for instance money we're always talking about cbdc's we're always talking about money market funds and money market funds basically have there's a supply story and there's a demand story the supply story is this is just arbitrage right you have a capital light vehicle that can buy commercial paper you know with no capital uh so it, it, you know it basically just gets extra yield so that's the supply story and that's the part we don't like we want to regulate that away right that's the financial stability problem but there's also this demand story of well we also have amazon which has you know hundreds of billions of dollars in cash they can't just go down the street and put it in a community bank they need somewhere to go with that they need institutional money and money market funds are kind of the best thing we have, you know, this diversified yeah. portfolio of safe stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only so many treasury bills, et cetera. Yeah. And so that, that problem is solved if, if, you know, we just say, all right, deposits are the liability of the central bank, but we're going to run it through, we're going to run it through the private banks to the same extent we do now. And, and, and there's not really with, with how much capital and, and supervision, I mean, like I said, we're, we're never going to actually impose losses on those deposits. So we, we need not worry that it's going to cause some solvency crisis at the Fed. Right. I mean, right. Th this this in, in many ways, that's the most, you know, uh, progressive and 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 reasonable thing we can do. And, and, and it acknowledges the market realities that we have today. Um, yeah. Again, I don't know that the Fed wants to go that far or that Congress is even thinking about that. There's kind of this attitude of, well, we just want people to be able to bank with the Fed, right? Um, and and that's really the progressive route. And we want, and that's important too. You know, there are some unbanked. There are, uh, you know, it would be great to have a payment system that can work even with the internet down and things like this. Yeah. Um, so, at a future on a future episode, maybe we can tie this to to when Boston releases it if it if it comes out. But I'd love to talk about who who the personnel side of this on the Fed. You know, Powell has made some comments. Um, he's as far as like me, somebody that's not not following the the every hourly update on this. I've I've heard it most from the Fed's perspective. It's mostly been Powell, but I I can't imagine he's the one day to day running this. And I wonder if another governor, maybe one of the new ones, will really take this on. Um, but let's 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 uh, let's kind of put a pin in that for a future episode because we can talk about it both in the on the on the policy side and i'd love to hear it from the technical side as well i think yeah. there's some stories brewing there as well um but to close it there was uh uh one other story in cryptolandia that crossed over into the fed uh what what uh, uh what happened over at facebook <laughs> yeah so the the uh the artist formerly known as facebook right uh, right 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 meta you know, excuse me right got it uh <laughs> stable coin formerly known as libra now known as dm <laughs> you know they, they basically the the double rebrand the repackaging double repackaging the fed the fed wasn't about it they they said as you know looks like a cdo of a cdo right <laughs> um but but basically what happened is is dm uh facebook's stable coin ambitions are, are now sort of a fire sale um and so th there's a certain there's a certain bit of irony to this because especially the timing of it because facebook's ambitions really were what got washington fired up yeah. uh, about stable coins and cbdc's 
you know, the tether did exist before fate, you know, but it, everything, this was a tiny, tiny market until Zuckerberg came out basically and said, well, you know, we want to run the world's payment system. Um, and now it's, it's basically kaput and, and Bloomberg reported that it was really the Fed. So the, Facebook has done several iterations of this. The final iteration was, okay, we're going to issue, we're going to work with this bank, uh, Silvergate Bank in La Jolla, and they're <laughs> going to issue the stable coin. Uh, they're going to issue the DM stable coin. They're going to be the technical issuer of it. We'll run the payments, you know, network. They'll be the issuer. Uh, and the Fed basically went into Silvergate and said, ah, you know, you know, we can we can either confirm nor deny that we'll be okay with this uh, if you go ahead. And so basically, Facebook said, well, without a bank, you know, the, the plan is kind of dead. And, mm -hmm. and and you know, it was kind of always a myth that this was ahead of regulators. I mean, they could always do this in some way or another. Um, but yeah, so the Fed, the Fed, and th this bank was tiny. I mean, it, of course, there are risks. This, they, the, it's not like the Fed, it's not like Facebook was partying with with J.P. Morgan. Um, th this was this was Silvergate Bank. It has like twelve billion dollars in assets. Uh, you you just can't become the Facebook you know bank overnight. Yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of third party issues, and, and you know the, the Fed would have had a number of supervisory concerns that the bank was actually issuing. You know, it wasn't just taking the backing reserves. Well, some stable coins are their entity are an entity of themselves and they deposit their backing reserves in a bank. That's not what was happening. Yeah. The bank itself was issuing the stable coin. Um, and, and there is some tension because, you know, the PWG report came out and said, hey, only banks should do stable coins. And now Facebook has this bank that wants to do a stable coin. The Fed comes in and says, no, 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 not like this. Yeah. Um, but it, it's totally understandable. Uh, the last thing I'll say on this, and, and you know, the, the, the Fed's CBDC report said, we're waiting on Congress and the White House. The White House, uh, either this week or last week, said, oh, we got a bunch of executive orders coming uh, on crypto in general. And it sounds like this is going to be kind of a whole of government thing. They're going to look at national security. Um, notably, the, this, this, the memo that's supposed to come from the Biden administration is going to be written by the NSC, National Security ah, Council. Sure. Um, so that will be interesting. They're expected in, in this mix, they're expected to comment on a CBDC. So it'll be interesting to see what they say because ah. another sort of big matzo ball for crypto and CBDC is cross-border stuff. Um, it'll be interesting to have the intelligence community in on this. I, yeah. I know there's there's some, or I'm hearing there's you know some tension amongst national security folks, because they sort of have, you know, they have access to SWIFT um, and, you know, they, they, they don't want to lose access basically to payment flows and things yeah. like this. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. But I, I, I do wonder the extent to which Facebook's, uh, you know, the death of Diem basically kind of takes some of the pressure off. Because uh, I think, again, like that was yeah. really some of the pressure that Washington was, was feeling. And it comes out they never say Facebook, you know, but at a lot of points in the PWG report and elsewhere, they'll say, oh, you know, a stable coin would be especially risky if it, if it was a a large commercial firm that had a large, that had large network effects. And you're like, hmm, you know, let, you know, let, let me count the number of those, you know? So uh, this maybe takes some pressure off, off the white house to move quickly um, in Congress, but, but we shall see, they seem to have a pretty strong appetite. For, yeah. for crypto related stuff these days. 
Okay, so last, so last question on this then. The what it's and and the fire sale was the the framing of the the headlines that I saw as well. What is it? Is it IP? What? Is, what yes. Is, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It was a bit of a, collecting their basket of currencies that they're now going to offer. Yeah. No. 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 They they didn't. Yeah. I was being okay. hyperbolic. So they they said they were they I, like I I kind of read it too. It's like I don't know what they're going to sell. Like yeah. Um, you know, they, I suppose they have four names, you know, the Facebook meta Libra DM, maybe they could sell some of that, but yeah. they sold. So to the, to either the, the bank they were going to partner with or the bank's holding company, uh-huh. um, or like parent Silvergate yeah. Capital Corp, they sold, uh, they sold the IP, um, okay. which, yeah. or the, the tech that they had, sure, that they had uh, there, there were no assets work. though. There were no mm-hmm. assets fascinating um because they hadn't issued any coins there were no backing reserves but they they, they sold for 200 million dollars they sold oh. uh the tech basically hmm. um so i'm thinking maybe this is kind of a sweet deal for the small That's bank a, yeah you know yeah because now they get facebook out of the picture and they got a whole bunch of free you know they yeah. got a bunch of coding done for them and, yeah. and bought it probably on the cheap yeah um but huh. we shall see all right well, lots to watch lots to watch there all right, well, we'll wrap it there. Uh, Stephen, uh, great, uh, great conversation again. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. I'm going to keep coming on until I get uh, my Centralverse tote bag. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, man, we need, we need tote bags. And we need mugs. We need, yeah. to, we need to make this happen. Uh, we're both on Twitter. Uh, Stephen's at Stephen Kelly 49 I'm at Caleb Nygaard. Until next time, thanks for listening.